afternoon, good evening, or maybe even good morning. This is Pod Like a Hole, a space podity. And what we're going to do now is a little bonus episode for you. Everyone on the internet loves lists. And we were deciding, why don't we talk about our top five front men or women of a, of a band? And uh, what it just means is that I was sitting there and I was thinking about a... I think I was watching a performance from Stay from this tour. I'm thinking about how David Bowie was such a... He led a tight band. And I started thinking about artists who... The front man or woman just really brings it all together for you. and. Uh, that's that. So with me as always, I have uh, Eric Anderson. Uh, happy bonus evening. And Mark Branstad. Hello there. And what we're going to do is we're going to do what we did with our Nine Inch Nails, uh, the final episode, and do just the, the round robin. And let's get going. All right. Let's do it. I'm going to put you on the spot, Eric. Okay. Your number five mm-hmm. top front person. Top front person. Okay. And there's no criteria here. You there can, is not. Any way you interpret it. For, for You me, could say, if you really wanted to, you could say David Byrne, because when he comes out and does Psycho Killer with the, uh, the boombox, mm-hmm. is the most engrossing thing you've ever seen. And that is pretty engrossing. Yes. Um, he's not quite on my list, but he certainly deserves to be. Now I wish I thought of that. Um, uh, the word of warning. Unfortunately, I was looking at my list, and man, it is just pale and male. I'm sorry. Uh, um, I am leaving off Trent Reznor and David Bowie for my list just because we did a podcast about both of them. It's kind of obvious, but I, they, they would be my one and two with a bullet, but we can talk about them later. Interesting. Your number Bowie is deserving. Old, old T-Rez wouldn't crack my top five performers. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. Well, like you said, the criteria is wide open for our interpretation. When I see a Nine Nails show... The Night Nail show is the whole thing. And Trent is the one that masterminds it all. Sure. But my eye isn't always looking right at him. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm. Anyhow. But I think I my- could say that with all bands that probably are on this, uh, on this list. Uh, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Eric, yeah. You're, I, you're I think for a front person, I wasn't, I didn't go purely performance here either. Just what, what they add to their band or their solo performance. So my number five is Joe Strummer from the band The Clash. Um, coming up with that first wave of punk, um, but having a little something extra, a little smarter, um, actually political, not just middle finger political, like pseudo-political, like Sex Pistols were. Um, and he, he had some other interest. He was interested in funk, and he was interested in rap, and he was interested in, in country and electronics, and he, and it, it, he would experiment with that previously known as a punk band, The Clash, as often as he could. And um, just kind of his his interest and his style kind of permeated that group and made them pretty unforgettable. Nice to be in a, a human kind of situation for a change. And we're hoping to enjoy ourselves by making this public service announcement with guitar.
That's an excellent choice. I actually thought of them when I was thinking of this. And um, yeah, one of my, not really a regret, but uh, you got me into The Clash probably after he died, or right around when he died, I think. And um, yeah, no, Joe Strummer was great. So, is there a particular, just one moment you would, you would point out to someone that sums up Joe Strummer? Uh, uh, that I didn't prepare you. <laughs> no, for this. you didn't. All right, you didn't. I, I would just say, you know, I would just say, look at him and all those album covers. He's just, he's just a cool looking motherfucker. Kind of timeless, timeless right. style. That works for me. Yeah. Did you like his solo records as well? Um, to varying degrees. Right. Um, they're all worth a worth a listen. Um, they, I don't, I don't find them at. They don't get me like some of the best Clash songs do, but there are some golden moments. Like his redemption song, especially the version he does with uh, Johnny Cash, is pretty amazing. Right. Um, uh, uh, Johnny Appleseed off his first one is just stellar. Like right. that—that's a top-notch moment. Um, so there you have it. All right, Mark, you're next. You're number five. So my number five. Uh, so when I looked at my top five frontmen, um, I considered bands that I fell in love with. Um, and when I think of these bands, um, this one individual, these individuals really come to mind. Um, I know these fuckers are thinking that Bono's going to be somewhere in the top five. That's the whole point. That's the whole reason I did this. <laughs> <laughs> but they're, they're wrong. I mean, Bono is definitely someone that, uh, as I was getting into music when I was a young wee lad, a little boy trying to be a big boy. Um, you know, U2 was a very important band as I learned to develop my musical taste. Um, but my number five, I would probably go with Robert Smith from The Cure. Oh, yeah. that's, that's a good one. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, The Cure opened up a lot of doors because uh, Robert Smith, you know, obviously is the one constant throughout any variation of The Cure. Um, and the sound has gone from uh, very minimal to extremely expansive arena rock, uh, if in a Robert Smithy sort of way. Um, but yeah, for whatever reason, he's not exactly an entertaining. I've seen The Cure live two or three times, and he's not James Brown by any means. Uh, he's certainly giving it a hundred and ten percent, and sometimes he forgets the lyrics and laughs it off and. It's just a good time. It's uh, the Cure Live is is uh, is is great. Now their uh, musical output ha- over the years, you know, uh, varying degrees of hits and misses. Mostly misses if you look at their latter work. After uh, I, I think they they found their ground again on Blood Flowers, but I I can't think of anything else past Blood Flowers that was worth a damn. Is there any? How many albums are after Blood? Uh, oh shit, man! Thirteen. I think there might be 13 records. But, no, isn't there one called 13? Uh, the 13th is a song uh, off of Wild Mood Swings. Okay, never mind. Um, but yeah, Robert Smith, for whatever reason, um, you know, he can they uh, be poppy, be moody, be gothic. Um, uh, he's just uh, an all-time character, and he was even on the goddamn episode of South Park, which I'm not a huge fan of South Park. I know Eric is. Well. Anyways. Was. Anyways, I, I, I'll always give it. I'll always give a, a new season of South Park a fair shake. You're not on trial, Eric. It's yeah, no yeah, judgment. Yeah. But uh, I would say, yeah, Robert Smith, number five. Yeah, that's a great episode. 
Steven. Uh, all right. It's a good one. And, and, and you know what? As performance goes, he's not, you know, a super flashy frontman, but I would say the, the spotlight just shines on him, and it's just that, that big, beautiful voice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. My number five. And no, this is not Regency bias, but it is Till Lindemann from Rammstein. Absolutely. And, and go ahead. I'm, yeah. And uh, the one, yeah, their albums are one thing, and their albums are great. Obviously, we've talked about them enough in this podcast. But um, when you do see them live, and we, Mark and I saw them in the late 90s and the early aughts, um, it was really impressive. Beyond the fire and the pyrotechnics, um, we've all talked about this. When you watch their videos, the acting skills of that band are incredible. Yeah. And he's one of the ones that definitely, his expressions and his acting, he can be humorous, he can be uh, sympathetic. He really makes you feel what he's singing about. And that's important when we don't know what the words are. And uh, my eyes just, it's hard not to watch that guy just go through the way he expresses, uh, he vocalizes things. And uh, live, live, you know, in addition to the fire and everything, there's a lot of just, uh, I don't know if it's this Eastern German weird being in touch with man and machine thing going on, but he's always pounding his chest and pounding his thighs as he's, he's singing and, uh, it's hard not to be captivated by him. He looks like a movie star in those videos. He does. He's, yeah. he's a giant, captivating poet. And it's yeah. just, uh, it's, it's, he's a fascinating specimen of a human being. And he can sing, too. It's, uh, I, I, I love the guy. What I uh, really appreciate about Till and um, pretty much all of Rammstein, um, Till, uh, if you're, I don't, none of the three of us uh, can speak a lick of German. Um, maybe, you know, Guten Tag and, we know Deutschland stands for Germany, but Till has a way uh, when you watch him perform either through the music videos or live, um, you can kind of get the, the meaning of the song based off of his uh, nonverbal communication that, yeah. he, that he's got going on there. And he's definitely a guy that is willing to sacrifice his own well-being um, for the interest of making good, compelling art. So I, I think that's a great choice. Yeah, he puts himself in a jacket that they light on fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. puts himself in harm's way. He's definitely the Super Dave Osborne. Uh, you know, he's willing to, you know, be a spectacle, put on that show for, you know, even outside of uh, Germany, uh, they have an amazing following pretty much worldwide. Um, and, uh, you know, German is not the the global language and he's able to really make that happen. And not just him. I mean, the band is tight as a drum. They're all tight. And they're also very um, great performers, good actors. Yep. It's like, they're one of the few bands who their videos. I need to sit down and just watch every one of their videos. Yep. It's a, it's a good choice.
So I did actually, and this isn't just me trying to shoehorn in here some diversity, but I I have made a concerted effort over the last year to listen to more of the female artists that I that I have um, that I've always kind of liked. And this is also not well. Maybe putting this one on here is half attempted, you know, to be invited back into bed with my wife uh, at some point in this month. <laughs> <laughs> Have you but, checked out that Reddit dead bedrooms? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, not a happy place. Uh, but uh, um, one singer. I will that, never look at that. <laughs> one singer that uh, that captivates me whenever I watch live footage. And yes, uh, I've always known about her, but my wife's a big fan. And it's been a part of our family. And my kids love her. And I, and I love her as Susie Sue mm. from Susie and the Banshees. Yeah, all right, and man. That, She can she can wail. She she captivates a band. She's been around since the punk days. Um, all up through the Batman Returns soundtrack. <laughs> yep, <laughs> during the masquerade. That, that's a yeah. good one. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I yeah. have a couple of her yeah. uh, greatest hits. And but yeah, she's a fantastic performer. Definitely. And, um, and uh, I would. There's a Robert Smith connection yeah. with the glove. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. so anyway, she's 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 in there for my number four. She is a huge blind spot for me that I need to rectify one day. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I feel, I mean, when she's got some hits like Cities and Dust, Hong Kong Garden, I mean, those things are... Uh, Halloween. Uh, those are great yeah. songs. Yeah. Um, and there's more to be found, but yeah, you really kind of have to sink yourself into it's, that. You got to find it, yeah, because she definitely, she's always good, but she definitely goes through like almost like a soft, like <laughs> like a PM Dawn sounding right. phase in the 90s, you know, but uh, she's always she's always good. But you right. know, check out some of that 80s late 70s 80s stuff and it's it's killer yeah mark brandstad your number four my, my number four um so sticking with uh kind of that a little bit um i'm gonna go with uh mr dave gahan from depeche mode yes uh, he was almost on my list um yeah. every time that i've seen that man perform live uh he absolutely has so much energy even though it could be argued that Martin Gore um, is even more important when it comes to Depeche Mode. Um, but Dave Gahan, um, he's an absolute rock star. Um, he is, he's got the pipes, um, you know, I, uh, he can dance. Uh, he's just a ball of energy. And his story, you know, it's kind of interesting. If you look at kind of early Depeche Mode when it's very just upbeat, very dance clubby um, to some of the moodiness of uh, um, God, what's the record called? The one before songs of faith and devotion. Right. Um, that's a huge lush record. Um, but uh, yeah, Dave Gahan. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, when I saw him last year, that man was that man's leather vest was glistening as he did basically back cartwheels all over the catwalk up there. And, and I was sitting up in the, in the, in the, 
Coliseum, wherever we were watching, I could, and I could just see him the whole time, and he was just entertaining. Yeah, yep. he still he still moves and grooves. He's got that voice still. I haven't seen them in maybe fifteen years or so. I'd like to see him one last time. But um, if you watch videos now, yeah, he's still he can get all over the stage. And to Mark's point, back in the uh, song or no the um, people are people era or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The old stuff you got to pull up. Uh, there's a performance from TV of uh, "Just Can't Get Enough" from some. The way you'll know you'll find it is it was like a French show and it starts out with the, it zooms in on a, like a, a wind up toy that's clapping its hands mm. and it pulls back and the band's performing. And the reason I'm saying just look for that, that performance is his like little nerdy shuffle is incredibly endearing as he sings that yeah. song. Um, <laughs> but you can still, he still has rhythm. He's yeah. just a, uh, yeah, that guy, he, he could, he could slide across the stage and um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, He's Dave great. Brown's a great one. I just reminded myself that I did not put Axl Rose on my list, and that feels like a crime. Oh, wow. wow. I thought that was going to be I number one. Shocked. I am shocked. No, Literally, still... I was just waiting for... <laughs> I'm still comfortable with my, my rankings. Uh, there's too many choices out there, Dan. There's too many choices, yeah. yeah. Um, my number four is very... This is, this is very on brand for me. He doesn't... He doesn't exactly talk to the audience much. He doesn't exactly uh dance or manage to direct the band that much but i swear to god a man that intrigues me and when i see them live i have trouble not just watching him do his thing is buzz osborne from the melvins oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. that's a good pick the way buzz does his thing live is uh the way he plays the guitar is in addition to similar to rammstein uh, much more different. Like the, the Melvins, the Melvins are incredibly tight, and at the same time, a loose band, and they they tend to wander off on tangents and get back to where they need to be often. And when you watch him play his guitar when they're going on those tangents, he kind of becomes one with his guitar with the way he gyrates and motions, and you know, it's almost like you think he would be doing that if he was in front of an audience or by himself. Mm. And uh, that in between, interspersed with the the few moments of humor you get every Melvin show. And just the fact that he looks like a pug with the afro. Right. Um, if the spotlight hits him right, he looks like Robert Smith as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've seen that band almost 30 times for a reason. It's because every time you go see him, they're incredibly fun to watch. And he's the one that... He, he's the... The engine would probably be Dale Crover in that band. 
He's definitely the gas pedal. Buzz Osborne, good one. guy's got a yeah, piece of my heart. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. yeah. Eric, who do you got for number three? Three. Well, this was hard, and I'll explain why in a second here, but I think, um, you know, a big driving force for music, something that introduced me to not just music, but culture, was when I got into the Wu-Tang Clan. And you got to say the front man's RZA. He's not the best rapper in the group. Um... If that was what we were saying, I'd go, you know, with Ghostface or Jizza. But Rizza is the mastermind, and the 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 collection that he created with Wu Tang and what they did for music and how you could make ra- you know radio hits that were rap songs that actually the the rapping mattered. What you were saying, your your, your rhymes actually had to be good, and, but the beats could be noisy and grimy and dirty, and um, and the way he let all of his um, uh his solo rappers go out and get their own record deals was groundbreaking at the time, which is why they became such a powerhouse in the nineties. And he ended up, you know, producing most of their solo albums also. Um, just, uh, got a big shout out. So I guess, I guess I'm going with RZA for the, for this one. myself enough to Wu-Tang. Um, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a casual hip-hop listener. Um, it's not to say that I'm opposed to it. It's, um, I just don't um, have any hip-hop act that has really connected with me where I just devour their entire catalog. I always appreciate um, what I've heard uh, from Wu-Tang or from really any of that uh, uh, particular genre of music. But I just I don't have any emotional connection to it. But yeah. that's very cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a good interpretation though. Of I said, there's no criteria here, right? Riz is definitely the front man and a curator of an entire uh, wing yeah. of artists, right? And um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, it, it, pound for pound, if I was to say I need to go to a show and we're bummed because we missed a show in Grass Valley recently, God, for God's sake, <laughs> yeah. Of any of them, it'd be Ghostface, oh, the yeah. guy that, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I want to see live. Yeah, absolutely. 
RZA puts it all together. Right. Um, so my number three, um, this band and this individual, um, I wasn't always about doom and gloom. I do like a sense of humor, and this should be of no surprise to you guys, even though... Weird Al Yankovic, yes, I, <laughs> I love you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I don't follow everything uh, this individual does now, but uh, it would be Les Claypool. And, and that's where you're going with this. Ah. Yeah. His, the, the good works of the past have him, he will always, like the average will always be high. He can I release mean, no, nothing but, he could release nothing but F minuses for the rest of his career. Right. And the stuff he did in the past and the way he presented Primus in the past still gets him to the top of the mountain. couple uh the desaturating seven i think I, that album did nothing for me uh the reworking of the Ch- uh, charlie and the chocolate factory did nothing for me but i have always appreciate that he's willing to really experiment and try new things and not just release um sailing the seas of cheese or frizzle fry seven times and his work with uh, sean lennon apparently is supposedly very well uh very well done um I'm not really into the jam band scene, and I know he really fell hard into that. Um, but those Primus records, uh, I th- head. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, the Fearless Frog Brigade had its moments where it was pretty cool. Um, but those Primus records uh, with uh, Tim Alexander, Larry Lalonde, um, and just watching—I'm we saw Primus a couple times, um, and. They never, ever disappoint live, ever. And, it's, and part of a, a lot of it is, is that um, my number one on here is definitely falls in this category. Is he such a great storyteller? Yeah. And when you have a great storyteller yeah. is a, in a musician at the same time, definitely. it's hard not to be captivated. Yep. You know, that's why it, it, Tom Waits is uh, one of the greatest artists of all time. Yep. Because even when people are like, I can't get into his voice and that's herky jerky. Like, yeah, but are you listening to what he's saying? He's telling amazing tales exactly. all the time. Yep. Unless Claypool and Tom Waits were buddies and worked together, mm-hmm. uh, they have that storytelling thing going down pat. Yep. yep. Absolutely. You're number three. My number three, I'll keep it brief. That's what this podcast is about, is David Bowie. <laughs> Walking down the high street When I heard footsteps behind me And there was a little old man Scarlet and grey Shuffling away 
laughing all day. I ought to report you to the gnome office. Gnome office. We've seen him live, even though it was after his heyday. That was still great. But just like in the 70s, even in the 80s, you know, just watching him live, watching him react to the band that's behind him when he has a great band, like the one we're going to talk about in Station to Station, is just incredible. And uh, like we talked about in his videos and stuff, and like Till, he's a great, like we were talking about Blackstar, he animates and he tells a story with his body movements. Yeah. Which I find yeah. captivating. Yeah. And well, as we found out, his art, his artist scene in uh, back in the UK, he was a mime. I mean, yeah. like, he literally, so. Now he puts the whole package yeah. together when you see him. He's singing, he's, he's dancing, he can go grab any instrument if he chose to, and uh, he's acting things out. And yep. uh, he's also just otherworldly, yep. which is why we do this podcast. Yeah, That's absolutely. as much as I'm going to say, because we have a whole podcast about right, it. Right, right, right. Number two. Number two. Some know him as Kevin Ogilvy. I put Nivek oh, Ogre from Skinny Puppy. That's a great uh, answer. Yeah, obviously I'm, I'm captivated by the industrial genre, and Skinny Puppy is, is one of my all-timers. And um, though I've never seen them live, I have seen him perform a song with KMFDM live. I and, feel, uh, Mark and I have seen them live together at least yeah. once and other acts. And I know that we both don't go to as many shows as we used to, but I feel like we owe it to you. Yeah. And the in your the industrial yeah. line in winter yeah. to take you to see Skinny Puppy oh, before yeah. they're completely done. I mean, from from what I've seen or just listening to the albums, what he's doing, he can fall back and forth from poppy, like almost almost new wavy singing to like not metal, but like kind of monster voiced, uh, terrifying, depending upon the theme he's going for with the song Um, and uh, just just dynamic, immediately dynamic and uh, distinctive. So over solo work. Guest spots on other people's albums, and of course, Skinny Puppy. Yeah, and if you see, he still, you go see him live, the theatricality is still there. Yeah. He still brings out masks and props. Oh, yeah. All that stuff is great. He's very engaging live. Uh, I brought my wife to one of the uh, solo um, Mm -hmm. Ogre shows when the Welt came out, and she loved it. I mean, because of that theatricality that he brings, um, he... and she's not a fan of the genre whatsoever, but she found that to be incredibly entertaining and yeah. fun. Um, so my number two, and just like Eric said at the beginning, um, I'm trying not to make this as obvious as possible, and I'm not going to be talking about David Bowie or Trent Reznor because obviously my love for both of those individuals uh, is runs deep, runs true. So I'm going to exclude them from this discussion. We both know that they're right. the world to me, but I'm just not going to include them in this because obviously you guys know how much I feel about him. No offense to your number pick. It's fine. Uh, no offense attended. So <laughs> my no- that, was, that should have been Axel's damn spot. Now I think about it. What are you gonna do? We're on number two, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this guy is um, he's a jack of all trades and a master of all trades. Um, I believe that uh, 
he is truly an auteur. Um, anything that he touches, um, you absolutely can tell that he had his fingerprints on, whether he you can hear his voice or whether he's doing score work, and that would be Mike Patton. Your Faith No More, Mr. Bungle, Tomahawk. Peeping Tom wasn't that great, but it always was interesting. Lovage, his score work, um, Phantomas, of course, with Buzz Osborne. Um, the man is unbelievable singer. He's an artist. Um, he's fun to watch. Um, he's engaging. He does excellent crowd work every time that we've seen him live. He really makes it a participation with the audience. He there's a dialogue, there's a conversation happening as the show incurs. He's a smart ass. Um, and I don't know if he actually ate his own shit and drank his own piss, <laughs> but I wouldn't put it past him because he does anything for his own entertainment and for the audience's entertainment. <laughs> the man is a, a genius in my opinion. Yeah, he was he was right he was almost on my list. And there's probably a whole bunch of people that like any other day of the week they would have been on this list, but he's definitely one of them. And uh, again, he also like when you see him like Marcus saying there's participation. We saw Lovage. He pulled a good friend of ours up on stage and gave him a back rub. Um, when uh, we saw him open up for Tool with Tomahawk, yeah, right after the Kings lost a, a playoff game, in the middle of a song, he pulled off his shirt and showed he had a Lakers jersey on to antagonize everybody. Yeah, um, he already he's never liked Sacramento. Um, when we saw Mr. Bungle, he also uh, antagonized Sacramento because. Uh, uh, they were dressed like the village people, and someone made a, a uh, like a homophobic, a homophobic slur. slur. Yeah, and he said something along the lines of like, "Hey, man, I just heard this is a great place to get your cock sucked." You know, <laughs> uh, and uh, I'd met him in person a couple of times at a, just at shows while well, he was in the audience. Even for acts, he was like a, a Mastodon. He was there. He wasn't. He wasn't even opening. He was just there and talked to him for a minute. He's just a really gracious guy that appreciates his fans and. Uh, Every act he's done something with, for the most part, has been good. And the guy's also a skeleton key to learning about other artists when you're young. So yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Old, old MP. And the guy can sing, for God's sake. Absolutely. So, yeah. My enjoyment of him varies depending upon the project, but um, there's no question that he is, a, like you said, a skeleton key to other artists and like really just an all-timer frontman. Um, there's a reason why there's like a cold of Mike, uh, Mike Patton. People, people yeah. go, go apeshit for everything he does. So. My number two, this is also on brand. May he rest in peace forever. Ronnie James Dio. All right, yeah. Uh, I was fascinated with Dio since I was a kid because my dad had a, a VHS that was like, live at the Spectrodome. And, of course, the video had him fighting, like, giant dragons with lasers and shit. But at the same time, if you've ever watched him perform, he always uses his hands. That's where the devil symbol comes from. Yeah. He's always pointing at you or pointing at other band members. And 
he manages to look like he's conjuring demons or summoning people from other portals while he's singing. Yeah. And that's going to be fun regardless of who you are. But then when you're five foot five, maybe less than that, it's uh, and you have, you know, a, a skullet. It's uh, it's incredibly fun to watch. <laughs> and on top of that, the man could really sing. And uh, either with his own act or his years of Black Sabbath, which actually, I mean, the Dio is better than Ozzy years of Black Sabbath. Yeah. Um, yeah, Ryan James Dio is great. And also, he's like the godfather of metal. So, I, uh, I, we you, saw him yeah, together. You took me, yeah, yeah, to that. And it was, it was Motorhead, Dio, and uh, Iron, Iron Maiden. Maiden. And I thought he stole the show. I mean, he was. Oh, he's just so fun. Yeah, he was just, yeah, he didn't have the big statues that Iron Maiden had, but they were great too. But, but yeah. he was just commanding that audience. And it was he's the fantastic. kind of guy that. In between the songs, he always, he likes to talk to the audience. He's always polite to the audience and thanks them for coming. But then he'll be leading to the next song. And one of my favorites is he'll start telling a little tale. And then he'll say like, and that's a reminder that when you listen to fools, the mob rules. And then they go into mob rules. You know, he does that kind of thing. Uh, he's great. Look up. If you got to look one thing up, look up, just type in Ronnie James Dio, Heaven and Hell, uh, live. And it'll probably bring up him with Black Sabbath playing the song Heaven and Hell Live. And it'll tell you exactly why he's my number two. surprise to no one uh you already mentioned him storyteller junkyard clanger and banger tom waits um you know his yeah like you said his his music's not for everybody um i don't think you could say he has a bad voice that man can hit any note he wants to hit he just does a lot of crazy shit with his voice um but his story his storytelling always has heart um and uh he's always trying to to speak on you know, on various themes of, of the human experience. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I always, I knew about him because of Primus and just being kind of interested in, in, in kind of learning about different kinds of music, but I really got into him during, I mean, and I'm not going to say like, I'm not gonna pretend like I've had a hard life, but there was a low point in my, in my late, like 18, 19, 20 years old. You've talked about those years. Yeah. There was a low (laughs) point where I was kind of made to feel like I wasn't uh, fitting a mold 
that some people in my world wanted me to fit. And uh, he just kind of reminds you there's like beauty in ugliness and not fitting in. And uh, and I, that that spoke to me. And no matter what kind of phase of music, when if I'm in a hip hop phase or, you know, or industrial or whatever, there is something about him that I can always come back to and feel comforted and um, and thoroughly entertained because his I mean, his compositions are um, unique and, uh, you know. I don't know, untouchable as far as I'm concerned. And then to get to the performance aspect of it. Oh, yeah. I don't think any of us have seen him live. No. He's, he's yeah, he's on my bucket list. Yeah, he's he like, doesn't like the tour. The, he hates he might tour. be the last one. And, uh, but if you watch him live, he's always telling the stories. And, uh, you know, the band that he has behind him usually is pretty tight, even if it's pretty minimalistic type music yeah. sometimes. Yeah. And um, his, you know, he has a very unique, I think, I think Nighthawks of the Diner, one of his older live albums, maybe his first one. But it's like you're stumbling in, you're stumbling into like it's almost last call. Yeah. And somebody's just capturing the, you know, the audience isn't just cannot take their eyes off this guy who's just telling you a story about trying to maybe like get a girl to go home with him. Yep. You know, something more poetic than that. But, you know. Tom Waits is an absolute American treasure. I mean, his uh, film work is always, always just it. uh, I feel that it steals the show. Um, I, I can't wait whenever he's on screen. Um, and my very first, uh, uh, it was very young. I was very young. My dad was a fan of Tom Waits, and he had um, closing time. Small. Uh, it was no, it wasn't closing time. It was uh, small change. Are you sure? Yeah. The, my very first Tom Waits song that I ever heard was "The Piano Has Been Drinking." Okay, never mind. But yeah. I remember that he had closing time on vinyl. He I did swear. have closing okay. time. He did because yeah. uh, you know the Eagles covered um, yes. "Old Fifty Five. Um, so that's right up his alley. Trying to tell Mark what his memories are because this one's a shared memory to an extent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I remember uh, he, he he would take his vinyl records, make little little mixtapes from them, and I remember listening to the piano has been drinking, and I actually thought it was a funny song. Um, over time, as I got older, it's like wow, that's a it's a really sad song. Um, but just the imagery that it, it brings up. I believe it was on Dr. Demento. <laughs> I believe Dr. Demento featured <laughs> Did he really? that song. Yeah, it was like a novelty song but, for yeah. a while, but it's, but it's a really quality, just good song, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's got some I, I'm not drinking, it's the piano's been drinking, right. so yeah, like, no, yeah, just, just clearly just, just struggling uh, with denial. alcoholism. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's a good choice. What's, um, what's fun about this list is a lot of these artists inform each other, Yeah, and also we might have gotten into each other through these, from one of these artists to the next. And they also work together. And also, it's fun that some of these stories is like, I remember very specifically, I, got, I learned of Tom Waits from Tommy the Cat. Then Mark said he's got this song called I Don't Want to Grow Up, and he's got these other albums where he sounds less right. like a uh, cookie monster. Right. And then when I met you, you said, by the way, Steve, here's all his great albums. Listen to these. You know? Right. Uh, Blood Money Alice came out when you got oh, me. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's oh, when yeah. I fell in love with him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, that's fun. Good. Yeah, I remember I did Tommy the Cat, and then I, my parent's friend had a Bone Machine cassette. Oh, yeah. And Bone I was just Machine like looking through that. So good. Before I listened to it, I was just looking at the artwork and it was like, oh, yeah, Les Claypool plays bass all over this album. Yeah. And so, it's a solid damn record. Yeah. yeah. It's a sun. It always called me sun. So there's a lot of things in this world, son. You're going to have absolutely no use for. And he was right. But when you get blue, and you lost all your dreams. There ain't nothing like a campfire and a can of beans. Oh, cry for me. Those 
So my number one. Um, I wonder if it might be my, my number one. I think I think it might be. Um, right, we we go could, at the same time. I'm gonna say. Who is it? It's uh, Nick Cave. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> of course, Nick Cave. We're um, talking about telling stories. That man <laughs> is a uh, he's a minister, a preacher. Um, I mean that. I don't subscribe to any sort of organized religion, but if he was to start one, I would follow him to the gates of heaven. That man um, is the most captivating man. Uh, his story from, I'm not a big fan of the birthday party. I feel that it's a little too experimental for my taste, but his stuff with the bad seeds um, is unbelievable work. Pretty much, uh, I even have uh, a soft spot for Nocturama, which is considered not one of his greatest records. Um, I'll take that one for a spin or two. Um, yeah. yeah, it's there's some babe I'm on fire. Exactly, <laughs> babe I'm on fire. Um, and uh, um, that man in my bed. What's the Ooh. other one that he did with the video with the strippers? Um, uh, uh, bring it on or something like that. Um, he, me and Steven, we went and saw him live uh, together. If you want to tell the story, but uh, they had the children's choir. You got enough. You can tell your stories. But I tell you, that was uh, that was a great experience. I know that Stephen has a better story than when me and him saw him together. Uh, they're all different circumstances. Life. When we saw him together, I think it was one of us. It was somebody's wedding gift to the other guy. That was your. Uh, I was your best man. You brought me to the okay. show. Yes. That was for the push the sky away. Yeah. And then you guys went and saw him at the Greek yeah. during the skeleton. Oh, yeah, I was tree. there too. Yeah. 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 But that that show with the children's choir was great. Because some of those songs had that added children's choir. Avatar Blues. Oh, yeah. 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 God, I, that double record Ooh. of his is an all-timer. I yeah. love Nick Cave. I, and it was basically thanks to both of you two for really exposing me to Nick Cave. Because for a while there, the only thing that I'd had ever heard was Red Right Hand. Sure. Because Scream and Dumb and Dumber, mm. I think it was featured in there. X-Files. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's all over the place, that damn song. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, there's a Pete Yorn cover version of it oh in the Hellboy movie. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. there's so much treasure in his yeah. catalog, and he is just unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, for decades now, his catalog and the people he's worked with is great. And uh, he always manages to surround himself with artists that are great. Warren Ellis is an amazing human being who also is very captivating in his own right when you see them live. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, of course, Blix of Bargold from Entertain New Botten was part of the band. And uh, yeah, I do like the, uh, the, the bad seat or the, the birthday party stuff, I don't put it on all the time, but I, I get in moods where I like listening to it. But um, it's for decades now, great music. And when you see them live, he's just, he can be incredibly tender. He can be incredibly funny. But also when he get like, at certain times, it looks like a demon's possessed him. And he starts doing the thing where, like, he'll stomp his foot down and he'll point at people in the audience as he's singing. And he makes you feel like he's, like, looking, like, I've looked that guy in the eyes before. Yeah. I've seen him. He's, he's look, we've, we've. We've gazed in each other's eyes. Yeah. And, and it's uh, a, this crazy connection. Yeah. You've sat a lot closer. I mean, your wife was actually brought up on stage. Yeah, they had yeah. The, the show that Eric went to, the Greek show. Oh, so good. They, the, what they would do, they did this at every show, but still, it's pretty amazing. Is during the, and that album was very, that tour was very great, but also kind of cathartic because, was, um, you know, his son died. And it was the He tour. wanted that human connection, so he, like, put himself yeah, in the audience. it was the album... Uh, Tour app for the album Skeleton, Skeleton Tree, yeah, yeah. which came after his kid died. And he would pull people in, like, you would just think he's pulling a couple people up. And he starts, like, 50, maybe 60 people on the stage with him for the closing of the, the show. Yeah. And it's just, uh, never it's seen just anything great. like it before. Yeah. It was great. And, uh, yeah, I saw him that time. Stagger Lee. Mark and I saw him at the Bill Graham. And then I saw him twice at the Warfield, once, maybe three times. 
Once with Grinder Man. Yep. And though actually that was a great American musical. I saw him at uh, Warfield with, with Grinder Man as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And then I saw him again uh, by himself with the bad seeds at the Warfield. And that time I kind of got in front. And that was the time where he was like almost stepping on my head and pointing at me. Yeah. Every time, though, the man's got a beautiful voice. Everything he writes is just beautiful words. And um, he even has like a connection. Like he's, he's now he's kind of he's really since his kid died. He does this like blog online. It's not a blog. It's like a Q&A page. And people can leave questions. He'll answer really in-depth questions to him. And he actually writes really uplifting, hopeful uh, stuff. That It's almost like he's a, like a, a life coach now. Hmm. And his next tour, which I don't have the time to go to, is um, storytelling and songs. Hmm. And I bet some of it's going to be just telling tales with the audience before they bust into a yeah. song. Yeah. So yeah. I'm I not mean, surprised that our number one was the book. And, I, and honestly, I was going to put him like somewhere in my top three. Cause I love that. I love that man. And I love it. I love his work, but I knew you guys would bring him up. So I just, yeah. so I just <laughs> tag onto yours and then do somebody else. But I, he's amazing. Well, when you think yeah, of like yeah. a performer, like he's, he's the whole deal. Top five performers of some such. Any, uh, any, any, any uh, runner-ups that you want to mention? I got one. Um, Axel Rose, obviously. God damn it. Yeah. Man mm-hmm. changed my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, even weird and puffy and old now, he's still great to watch live. Um, another person, uh, Florence from Florence and the Machine. She is a elemental force that I, I love seeing live. Ah, that's a good one. I mean, I, I, I can't think, I mean, there's so many good, uh, front men. Um, I mean, these guys are going to laugh at me when I say, uh, Jim Morrison, but he was the formative, uh, he was what kind of gave me an education on what a rock star really was when I was real young, getting into music. Some people hate the doors and I never get it. Yeah. I love the doors. Um, I would even say, uh, of course don't really know who I would uh, label the front man for Pink Floyd. If it would be Dave Gilmore or Roger Waters, but one of those two, probably Roger Waters, I would probably give a slight edge. Um, Cause I feel that he is a little more creative than Dave Gilmore. And with lyrics, that was something that Dave Gilmore admits that he struggled with. So I'd probably say, you know, those two were yeah, also we learned, really important. We learned that. Oh those. boy. <laughs> Did we ever. 
Um, I just left out, uh, uh, he was so close, Kevin Cronin from REO Speedwagon. <laughs> JK. Uh, JK. All awesome. right. All right. Uh, well, I, that's I, got, it. I got all my, I don't really think about frontmen very often. I just, but so, yeah, that's all I had. Yeah. Lars from Rancid. He's not even the frontman. James Hetfield. Should, should be. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's signing it off. All right. Until well, next time. If you uh, want to share with us who your top five frontmen, uh, we always love to hear feedback. Um, you can find us on our Facebook page, Instagram page, or even uh, these guys sometimes lurk on Reddit. Um, so uh, we would love to hear your top five frontmen. Uh, until next time, this is Mark, Eric, and Steven. And we will see you next time. <laughs>